we were by, by nature children of wrath. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I think that in an earlier message, I'm, I may have shared with you the anger issues I had when I was growing up. I'd spin out of control if I didn't get 100% on a test. When I struck out at the plate, you could count on my throwing my bat and my helmet. If my dad insisted that I weed in the yard in, on Saturday mornings instead of riding my bike with my friends, I would go into a crying hysterical fit. And I'd still have to do the weeding because as my dad always said, if a job's worth doing at all, son, it's worth doing well. Now, I never really accepted the first premise, but I never, I never won that debate. Um, but I was troubled by these temporary visitations of anger, and they were, they were scary. But sometime in my early teens, even before Christ became personally real, things got better. The fuse, at least, at least became longer. And then when Christ came into my heart in my late teens, I felt I had gained a strong ally, and I hoped that over time, the the burden of combustibility would get offloaded, and I'd know nothing but his peace within. I got scared again just a few years ago when I walked through my mother's descent into senile dementia. Her body was wasting away, and then anger flashes of which had always lurked, became nearly a settled way of being for her. She was just a ball of anger. And my prayer was, dear Lord, have mercy on her. And dear Lord, is this going to be my fate too? Buried but not really dealt with? Rage within surfacing at the end of my life and consuming my last days. It's today's epistle reading that is at fault for making me do these reflections. I, they were triggered by the phrase in today's epistle reading, we were by nature children of wrath. But you know what? God's wrath is different than mine and my mom's. And in the seminary lecture or the Presbyterian version of the sermon, I might go into the differences between God's wrath and, and ours, but we're different folks here. So I want to just cut straight to, I want to cut straight to the point. God's wrath is different than my mom's and mine and is in fact the antidote to our wrath. God's wrath here is a reflex of his love. 
Notice the immediate pivot that our epistle takes. Having noted the forces to which we are subject, prince of the power of the air, the spirit of disobedience, the course of the world, desires of body and mind, and thus children of wrath. The text goes, but God, being rich in mercy out of the great love with which he loved us. God loves what he made us to be. And therefore, God hates what we have become. He hates the fact that we are, to use a phrase that comes directly out of this passage, the walking dead. He's angry at seeing us subject to desires we can't control. He's angry at the fact that we breathe toxicity in all the time and then breathe it out. He is wrathful at the fact that we've been made to dance to the tune of an evil puppet master. And what we do during the season of Lent is that we align ourselves with his implacable opposition to that captivity when we recite the Ten Commandments, as we did this morning. When we recite those commandments and call out, Amen, Lord, have mercy. We call upon his mercy after we admit the fact that we trust in lesser gods, diminishing our very selves in the process. Amen, Lord, have mercy that we worship, that we make little idols for ourselves, including our very worship, that we worship our worship rather than the one who is to be worshiped. Amen. Lord, have mercy. We admit that we are quicker to use his name to curse than to bless. Amen. Lord, have mercy. We admit the fact that we exhaust ourselves rather than take time to rest in him and in the fellowship of one another. Amen. Lord, have mercy. We admit that we are trapped in webs of family dysfunction. Amen. Lord, have mercy. We admit that we commit murder in our hearts, if not with our minds. Amen. Lord, have mercy. We admit that we cross boundaries of intimacy with our feelings, our thoughts, and our words, if not our bodies, rather than take joy in what relationships he gives us. Amen. Lord, have mercy. We admit that we are takers rather than givers. Amen, Lord, have mercy. We admit that we bend the truth to our own ends. Amen, Lord, have mercy. And we admit that we want our neighbor's goods rather than our neighbor's good. Amen, Lord, have mercy. At the end of today's epistle, Paul hints at Paul's end game for
for those who admit the truth about their being the walking dead. And it's buried in our translation's bland phrase, we are what he has made us to be. Now, what the text actually says in the Greek is that we are God's work of art, his workmanship. The word is poema, from which we get the word poem. What the text is saying is that you and I, we are God's composition, his lovely poem, his song, his work of art. It's hard to take in, but when Paul goes on to say that we have been created in Christ Jesus for good works, he means that God's loving design for us is to be the expressiveness, the the expression of his own loveliness. The design for us, which he has put into place through Christ Jesus, is that we might reflect his own beauty into the world around us. And so we have Lent to lean into Easter. Let me put it in these terms. God made us in the first place to be, each one of us, a Mona Lisa, a testimony to his own artistry. Each and every one of us radiating out into the world the glory of the kind of painter who could imagine and execute such poise and equanimity, such grace and repose. But if you know the Mona Lisa at all, you know that she's had a tough time. Four different times she has been attacked and defaced. And what angers God is what would have angered Leonardo da Vinci had he lived to see it. And what has angered all, lo- our, all lovers of art since. In 1956, the Mona Lisa had acid poured on her and a rock thrown at her. And then in 1974, she was spray painted. And then in 2009, she had a mug thrown at her. Now, I just want you to, I just want you to think about this. It ticks God off to look at you and see the ravages of acid poured on you, rocks thrown at you, alien paint sprayed on you, and mugs thrown at you. For you were designed to be the loveliest of Mona Lisa's. And just as the curators would not allow the damage to remain to the Mona Lisa, God's intent intention throughout time has been to not allow the ravages of the prince of the power of the air and your subject, your being captive to alien desires. His intent is not to let them have the last say. And so today, I simply want to invite you to ponder with wonder during this Lenten season the extravagant lengths to which God has gone 
because of his ongoing love for you and therefore his implacable wrath at what has become of you to restore and beautify you. Ponder with wonder. Hear with new ears. See with new eyes what John 3.16 says. God so loved the world those infected with a venom as lethal as that of Israel's fiery serpents in the wilderness. God so loved the world that he sent his only and eternal son to be lifted up on a cross that for all its cruelty is the only cure. Ponder the way to go back to our epistle that Paul continues in this epistle. God made us alive together with Christ. And God seated us together with Christ in the heavenly places. Even not demanding that we be good enough to earn that, but instead giving us, dead as we are in our trespasses and sins, the only thing we need to get it, faith in Him. And finally, consider as Paul asserts, that it really is his intention in the ages to come to show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Think about these things and dare to believe them to be true for you. As determined as the curators of the Mona Lisa have been over the years to restore her, so you may be assured of God's intent, not just to restore, but as Paul says of God's plans for his bride later in Ephesians, to make you and me and my mom, who rests in the arms of Jesus now, to make us all radiant in glory when his work is finally done, and it will get finished. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably, abundantly beyond all that we could ask or even think to ask, to him be the glory in Christ Jesus and in the church now and in the ages to come forever and ever. Amen.